Good morning, everybody. There won't be a joke this morning. I'm the only joke, so we got a lot to cover today um, as we begin our series on the gifts of the Spirit. I actually began last week with Tom's introduction to it. Um, So we want to read... uh, Begin with 1 Corinthians 12. <clears throat> Just read that text. That'll be the text for all the gifts. I'm beginning at verse 5. Let's have a prayer first. Lord, we thank you and praise you for who you are. We thank you that you've provided all these giftings. You've given us faith. You've provided healing for us, you've given us gifts of uh, various kinds, and we're so grateful, Lord, to you. And all these things have been inspired by your Spirit. We just pray now, Lord, that we would take these things to the bank, that we would not just um, listen to them, but we would put them into practice, I ask that by your spirit you would stir us up, stir us up in our inner man to desire to be used in this gift or that gift. Um, And we thank you, Holy Spirit, that you give them as you will, as you see need, and you're no respecter of persons. You'll give them to anyone that makes himself available. And Lord, as we begin today, um, I just pray for strength and for breath um, to get through this um, to your glory in Jesus' name. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 5. There are differences of ministries, but the same Lord. There are diversities of activities, but it is the same God who works all in all. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. See, the gifts aren't given to make you look good. They're given for the profit of everybody. For the one is given the word of wisdom to the Spirit, another the word of knowledge through the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healings by the same Spirit, to another workings of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another different kinds of tongues, to another interpretation of tongues, and one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as He wills. Hallelujah. So first we're going to be looking at the gift of faith and the gift of healings and the working of miracles. And I'm going to try to do the first two today. We may not get through them. Um, <clears throat> well, let's get started. These three gifts are often called the power gifts uh, because they demonstrate God's power very simply. And that's just um, generally they're called that. The first gift we're going to look at is the gift of faith. And there's four different distinctions, actually four different purposes of faith, but all the same word in the Greek. It's, it's uh, pistis. It means persuasion, credence, 
moral conviction of religious truth, reliance of truthfulness of God and his teachings, assurance, belief, believe, and fidelity. Now, I'm going to give you four different distinctions of faith. And we need to, to know the difference between them to help us understand the gift of faith. The first one is Ephesians 2.8. For grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. And the purpose of that uh, is saving faith is to adopt us into God's family. Amen? We've all been there and done that. <clears throat> Second one is Romans 12.3. For I say through the grace given to me to every, everyone who is among you, not to think himself more highly than he ought to think of himself, but think of himself, ought to think, but to think soberly uh, as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. And the measure of faith, uh, the purpose for that is that's our faith to live by, the faith that we use every day. The Bible tells us that the just shall live by faith. Amen? Amen? Amen. Amen. Yeah. And so this is the measure is to help us live by. The measure and the um, saving faith is basically the same thing. You start with saving faith, and in the measure of faith, we are stewards of that, and we can, um, you can't make faith, but you can, it can increase in your life, okay? By feeding your spirit on the word of God. And then there's the fruit of faith, which is found in Galatians chapter 5. We're all familiar with that. Galatians 5.22 But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, loving kindness, goodness, faithfulness. Now that's the same word. It's translated faithfulness here. And I'll tell you why in a minute. Gentleness, self-control, against such there is no law. This is the same word as used for saving faith and for the measure of faith. Um, because the fruit of faith, it's translated faithfulness in the New King James, is translated faith in some other translations. Um, the purpose for the fruit of faith is to help develop um, God's, your character, to be known as a faithful person, okay? A person of faith who's faithful in all God's ways. It's to develop that character in you to develop that nature of God. And then in 1 Corinthians 12, 9, that's the, um, the gift of faith. To another faith by the same spirit and to another gifts of healings by the same spirit. Those are the two we're going to try to look at today. Our gift of faith... Um, can come to you after you've been baptized in the Holy Spirit. And um, it's extraordinary. It's, it's just to meet a need, a purpose. Um, these gifts are God's gifts, remember. And they're given to individuals to use to meet a specific need at a specific moment. Okay? The gift of faith takes you way beyond 
the ability of your normal measure of faith. And a gift of faith doesn't grow like your measure of faith. Your measure of faith can grow as you feed your spirit on the word of God. In our whole life, our faith should be growing all the time. But the, the gift of faith doesn't grow because it's already supersized by God. Amen? It's an infusion of faith by God to meet a specific need. It's just supernatural. God adds his super to your natural. And all of a sudden, you can just believe for impossible things. You know, he supersized it. McDonald's wasn't the first one to supersize anything, okay? God was way ahead of them. Hallelujah. Missed a good place to shout right there. It's a special and extraordinary faith that comes upon you as the Holy Spirit wills to meet a need. Uh, if you're a note taker, write this next statement down. Remember, all the gifts are an expression of God's grace and love. All the gifts, every one of them, are an expression of God's grace and love. He didn't have to do this, but he knows our makeup. And he knows sometimes um, if I'm praying for somebody, I don't have enough faith for what it takes to fix them. And if he wants that person healed that at that moment, anybody that's praying for him that makes himself available, that gift of faith will show up. And you'll just know that you know. So what might it look like if the gift of faith comes upon you? How, how are you going to know? Um, you'll recognize it easily because I've got four things listed here. When the gift of faith manifests, uh, you'll feel a tremendous boldness and no doubt will be able to get in when you're under the anointing of the gift of faith. I mean, you just know that you know like you know you're saved. It's that kind of a thing. And when, when you're praying for somebody and all of a sudden you just know that they're going to be fixed, um, you know, and, and because when a gift of faith is operating, it doesn't mean that they're going to be fixed right there instantly. But you just believe it and you know it. And they might be a week later before the, the manifestation is complete or a few days later. If we get to it, I'll share a testimony later on about some of that stuff. And the second thing is you'll be absolutely confident. You'll be so confident that people will accuse you of being arrogant, maybe. You know, you're not, gonna, you're not arrogant. You're just confident in God. You're trusting in God. Amen? But people, you know, if you move in that gift, it just becomes kind of second nature sometimes for some people. Um, the gift of faith, and, and, and you, know, you could be accused of being arrogant. But, but you'll know you'll just be, have that absolute tremendous boldness and confidence. And the third one I was reluctant to put in there, but uh, I felt like the Lord wanted me to do that. It, sometimes you can feel something when the gift of faith is upon you, uh, like an electric current or something. Uh, we had a man in a wheelchair in March when Dan and I were overseas, and he felt 
like electric current went through them. I didn't feel anything. And, and because it has nothing to do with a person, you know. But God wanted him healed, and he needed a touch point for his faith. Amen? And that zapping that God did to him um, kept him, um, he was paralyzed. And it kept him motivated to keep believing God and keep trying to get better. And what was it? Um, 60 days after we were over there, he was walking around. He got out of the wheelchair. So the gift of faith was an operation, or the gift of healings, probably they were overlapping, okay? A lot of times these gifts overlap. They interact together. Sometimes two or three of them at the same time. And, you know, when you're out there doing stuff, you don't try to discern that. You just want to do what the Spirit says, and you ain't worried about how many are overlapping or what's what, what gift is, it gonna, is going to perform the healing. You just want the person well. But this guy, he believed God, and I think that little zapping had a lot to do with it. had nothing to do with me. It had everything to do with God. Amen? Amen? Because he loved him, and he wanted him healed. And uh, so, praise the Lord. <clears throat> um, the other thing about a gift, now this scripture is not in your, in your notes. Um, let's see if I can find it. Yeah, Mark 6, 36 to 44. Let me read this quickly. This is where Jesus fed, um, fed a crowd. Send them away that they may, verse 36, go into the surrounding country and villages and buy themselves bread, for they have nothing to eat. But he answered and said to them, that his disciples, you give them something to eat. They said to him, shall we go and buy 200 denarii worth of bread and give them something to eat? They were hoping for a Wonder Bread truck to show up. But he said to them, how many loaves do you have? Go and see. When they found out, they said five and two fish. And he commanded them to sit down on the, in groups of, on a green grass. So they sat down in ranks of hundreds and fifties. And when he had taken up five, taken the five loaves and the two fish, he looked to heaven, blessed and broke the loaves and gave them to his disciples to set before them. And the two fish he divided among them all. So they all ate and were filled. And they took up 12 baskets of fragments and of the fish. And those who had eaten, eaten the loaves were about 5,000 men. So there's 5,000 men there. And many of them were married. So their wives were there. And their kids were there. So we don't know how many people he fed. Nobody there. Just going out on a limb. But nobody there except Jesus believed that he could feed those people with five loaves of bread and two fish. Come on. Come on, Jesus. But you see, he didn't do anything or say anything unless he heard from the Father or saw, saw what he wanted to do. He knew exactly what God was going to do. See? And so he had tremendous faith for that. Whether it was his own faith I believe it was a gift of faith because he was operating in the same 
with the same gifts and things that we have, the same Spirit without measure. Hallelujah. So my point is that the gift of faith will work even when nobody else believes. You might be in an auditorium with 10,000 people and you're praying for a guy in a wheelchair that they bring up in the front. Everybody knows this guy. He's a, he's a guy that built the auditorium 35 years ago. He's been in a wheelchair for 15. Can't walk. And you pray for him. If the gift of faith comes upon you, you might be the only one in there that believes, but it'll work because that gift is upon you, okay? Nobody believed that Jesus could feed those people, but he did, that God could feed them. <clears throat> then there's the story of Daniel in the lion's den. Daniel 6, I'll just read a little bit of that. Um, Daniel chapter 6, beginning at verse 16. So the king gave the command that, and they brought Daniel, cast him into the den of lions. But the king spoke and said to Daniel, your God whom you serve continually, he will deliver you. Now, do you think the king really believed that? That's what the king was hoping for. This is a, this is a heathen king. I don't think he believed it. I think he was hoping. Then the stone was brought and laid in the mouth of the den, and the king sealed it with his own signet ring, and so on and so forth. You know the story. And we go down to um, verse 21. Verse 20. And when he came to the den the next day, he cried out in a lamenting voice to Daniel. See, he didn't believe that. He was. And the king spoke, saying to Daniel, Daniel, servant of the living God. Has your God, whom you serve continually, been able to deliver you from the lions? I can almost hear the arrogance in his voice. Then Daniel said to the king, O king, live forever. Can you imagine the look on his face when he heard him speaking out of the lion's den? My God sent his angels, shut the lion's mouth so that they have not hurt me, because I was found innocent before him, and also, O king, I have done no wrong before you. Our king was exceedingly glad for him and com commanded that they should take Daniel up out of the den. So Daniel was taken up out of the den and no injury whatever was found on him. Why? Because he believed in his God. I know Daniel was a man of faith, but I think the gift of faith was on Daniel. I mean, he's in the lion's den. Who knows how many lions were down there? And then the king went and got all the guys that accused him and they threw him and their families in there. And the Bible says they were chomped up before they hit the ground. They were dinner. And we won't look at 1 Kings, but that's the story of Elijah, where he was sent to the brook Cherith. God commanded ravens to feed him bread and meat in the morning and bread and meat in the evening. <laughs> so he tells that to Elijah. He's got to believe that now, okay? He drank from the brook. Ravens are going to bring you bread and meat. Yeah, right. He had to believe that. Remember, there's an absolute confidence that comes when the gift of faith is in operation. Elijah was confident. Um, you know, we just have to believe what God said. Amen? Amen. 
And this is what he said right here. It's his last will and testament. And uh, if we just believe it in our hearts. So I want to share with you uh, just a couple experiences of this gift in modern days. They had to do with deliverance. Uh, when I was, my, one of my first mission trips, I was in Haiti. How many of you remember the Laymans? Bob and Ingrid Layman. They were on that trip. There's a whole bunch of us there with uh, Dale Arndt. And, uh, anyway, we're in the city of Soleil, which is the slum area of Port-au-Prince. I believe that's the capital. And it's about the size of a two-car garage. There's one light bulb hanging from a, the ceiling. And there was a guy there that had a guitar that somebody gave him. He couldn't play it, but he could tap on it, make a, like a drum. And so we're all lined up in the front of this church. I don't know, there must have been 10 of us anyway. A pastor was there. And one of the, um, most everybody that's a Christian over there comes out of, of voodooism. And there's a girl on my end. I was way on the end. I was trying to stay out of the way. And one of the main manifestations is they throw their heads back and spin around when the demon takes control and hiss like a snake. And so this girl that was sitting right in front of me, about from here to that post away, comes out and starts whirling around. And we knew right away what it was. And I'm like, why me, Lord? Why wasn't she over on the other end? You know, and I, this is my first mission trip. And so he says, deal with it. <laughs> and uh, so I says, okay, and you got to help me. Anyway, I was just impressed. She was spinning around. And so Ingrid was the only lady on the trip. So I asked Ingrid to come up by me. And I just felt impressed to stop her, to get her attention. Because she was spinning around very rapidly. And she had a big, long ponytail, bobbing and weaving. And I got a hold of her by the arm and the back of her neck. And she's jumping and jerking. And Ingrid grabbed her by the other side. And we cast this thing out in the name of Jesus. Now, did I have enough faith for that? I don't think I did. I didn't even want to be dealing with it. I wanted the pastor, he's used to doing that kind of stuff. They see that all the time. But I just knew that once she stopped and we got her attention, in Jesus' name, be gone. And she just kind of went limp like this and looked around. I said, what am I doing up here? She went back to her seat by her seat. See, she had no idea. She was, this thing was in total control of her. And I didn't even know what to do. I had to ask God what to do back then. I learned a lot since then, but uh, that's one illustration um, <clears throat> of something that happened then a few years later. Um, well, might have been quite a few years later. In the Philippines, we were in an AG church, and I had a Lutheran pastor with me. Um, he was a youth pastor. Sorry, I'm pushing on this thing. 
And we were over here praying for people, and he'd never seen anybody get healed or anything. And so he's kind of taking mental notes of what's going on. And all of a sudden, on the other side, it's a pretty big church. On the other side of the church, we hear some screaming going on. And he says, what's that? And I says, that's a demon. Let's go. So we went over there. He's right beside me. And we got over there, and this woman was screaming and carrying on. There was three people holding on to her. And she's just a little woman. But they're very strong, you know, on the demons. And I just said, in the bought from here to that post, I just said, in the name of Jesus, and she fell over, and the three people with her fell over. And the demon came out. And everything was fine. And I looked around for the Lutheran pastor. He was about six steps behind me. And he says, I read about this stuff, but I never, you know. I says, well. But I was much more confident at that time. I knew exactly what to do. And I didn't even... All I did was say the name of Jesus. I didn't even get to finish the sentence. Boom, that thing was out of, out of there. Um, and that was a gift of faith, I believe. And remember, the gift of faith is a supernatural infusion of God's faith. That's the best word I could come up with. To believe for a need to be met. And you'll recognize it by this tremendous boldness that you have. You'll recognize it by the confidence that you have. You'll just know that you know that this person is going to be healed or whatever it is you're praying for, that your finances are going to come in. And you can't count on feeling an electric current or anything that's in there, but I mean, sometimes there's something like that. You feel it. Sometimes the person you're praying for feels it and you don't feel anything. Sometimes nobody feels anything. It doesn't mean anything. It's just God sometimes does that, I think, for a touch point for people's faith, or sometimes maybe for your, your faith, um, that kind of a thing. And the gift of faith will work. If nobody else is believing and you recognize that gift upon you, go for it. I mean, it's, it's going to happen. <clears throat> and I just want to give you a caution as we finish up on this and, and get into the other one. Um, we're not going to spend as much time on the gift of faith because it's pretty cut and dried on what it is. And it's just God's given us just supernatural faith um, to do. You know, it's already supersized and you just, you just know that you know. It'll be real easy. It's an easy gift to recognize. Um, and the caution I want to give you is that we're only limited by our disobedience. God is only limited by our disobedience. If we'll obey him, you know, to step out in this gift, you have to get out of your comfort zone and into the commitment zone to do whatever God says to do. And sometimes it's a little scary. Because sometimes the things that he tells you to do don't always make sense. <laughs> you know? I mean, look at Jericho. What kind of a battle plan is that? It was pretty successful, Amen. You just got to be obedient to God. So I encourage you to stir up the gift of faith. I mean, it's not to make you look good. It's to bless somebody. Okay?
All right, let's move on to the gift of healings and see if we can get uh, through that. It says in 1 Corinthians 12, 9, is to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gift of healings by the same Spirit. The gift of healings are healings that God does without the help of medical professionals or a medical profession is a better word. The plural suggests that there are many sicknesses and diseases, therefore there are many gifts of healing, different kinds of gifts. Some people have anointing in certain areas of healing with great success. Like there was a guy, I can't remember his name, used to be on TV, he was from Canada, and he had anointing for the five senses, smell and taste and that kind of a thing. Maybe some of you have seen him, I can't remember what his name was. And everybody he prayed for on his TV shows, that was, that was he just stayed in that area. And he was very successful there. Some people have an anointing for catastrophic things like cancer and, and um, multiple cirrhosis and stuff like that. Other people have a special anointing for limbs and stuff. And I feel like I have an anointing for, for that, arms, legs, necks, knees, um, because they have so much trouble with that in the area God has called me to minister to in the Philippines. Um, and I got a testimony later on, a couple of them. I don't know if we'll get that far or not. Um, the gift of healings is God's way of helping us when man's limited knowledge fails. When a doctor don't know what to do anymore, and we go to God. Are they for today? Yes. Tom did a great job last week of uh, showing us that they're for today. <clears throat> Romans eleven twenty nine says the gifts and callings of God are irrevocable. That doesn't just mean spiritual gifts. Any kind of gift God has given you. You may not use it, but it's still not irrevocable because he said so. And they're all over the New Testament where we live. And <clears throat> the purpose of the gift of healings is to deliver the sick and destroy the works of the devil in the human body. Okay. It's interesting that I'm teaching on this stuff a little bit now and I and I'm, need to be a recipient of that right now. So I'm spending a lot of time on healing scriptures, especially at Psalm 103 that I quoted. And it goes on to say, He redeems your life from destruction, the next verse. Amen? Yeah. <laughs> so... <clears throat> So the purpose of the gift of healing is to deliver the sick and destroy the works of the devil in the human body. Now, I want to read to you a scripture in Acts 10.38. Acts chapter 10, verse 38. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, who went about doing good and hearing all who were oppressed of the devil, for God was with them. So settle it in your heart. The devil is the oppressor. Okay? God is the healer. God doesn't need to make you sick to teach you something. He's given you 
this book. He's given you his spirit, the teacher, to teach you. He doesn't need to do, make you sick. Old covenant, he would do stuff like that. But we have a much better covenant, amen? Amen. amen. One person agreed with me. <clears throat> so I've got 23 healing scriptures down here. We'll only look at a few of them. Um, a young man over here, Perdner, went home this morning when I gave him the list of scriptures. <laughs> so I'm going to read Isaiah. Uh, first, there's a healing in the anointing. I mean, the atonement, the healing will of the Father. I've categorized them for you. The healing works of Jesus, the healing ministry of the church. So you might want to save those. And this is not an exclusive list. It's just one I put together for this message. Um, Isaiah 53, that we're all familiar with, 4 and 5. That surely he has bore our griefs, carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions, he was bruised for our iniquities, the chastisement of our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. Amen. Amen. That's just as true today as it was in Isaiah's day. Because Jesus has provided healing for us. Hallelujah. <clears throat> and if we look at Matthew 8, <clears throat> verse 16. When any of had come, they brought to him, Jesus, many who were demon-possessed. And he cast out the Spirit with the word and healed all who were sick that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet. He himself took our infirmities and bore our sicknesses. Yeah. And if you read uh, Deuteronomy 28, beginning at verse 15, all through there, if you read that, you'll see that sickness and disease is a curse of the law. <clears throat> And in Galatians 3.13, we read this. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us, for it is written, Curses is everyone who hangs on a tree. So we've been redeemed. Sickness is a curse of the law, the Bible says. And we've been redeemed from the curse of the law. It doesn't mean you won't get sick. It means you don't have to stay sick. Amen? Amen. God has made all kinds of provision for us. And there's the healing will of the Father. Um, we'll just go to Psalm 103, 2 and 3. <clears throat> Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your iniquities, who heals all your diseases. That's pretty black and white. Amen? You know, I got plenty of iniquities that he's forgiven. And now I need the healing that he promised for my disease. Not the devil. Well, it ain't my disease, it's the devil's trying to oppress me. Especially this thing in here that we, you guys prayed for. Hallelujah. So the healing works of Jesus, um, we all know we can just look at one of those. Maybe Matthew 9, 35. 
And Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every sickness and disease among the people. When the gospel of the kingdom is preached, it's usually followed by action. When Jesus preached the gospel of the kingdom, he's usually healing somebody or, um, you know, starting a revival somewhere like the woman at the well. These kinds of things. <clears throat> Hebrews 13.8 says this. It says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Amen? So anything we read that he's done in his book, he'll do today. All right? And we got the healing ministry of the church. And the famous scripture in John 14. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, Jesus said, he will do also, and greater works than these he will do because I go to the Father. So we're his hands and feet. We're his, the ambassadors of the gospel of the kingdom now. His ministry continues through you and I. Amen? Amen. All you would need to do is make ourselves available. I mean, almost every time I minister, I feel inadequate. My adequacy is not in myself, it's in him. Amen? Amen. He's the one that empowers us to do these things. And he's given us these gifts. And uh, a large part of the body of Christ just kind of leaves him sit. And we need to stir ourselves up to use him. Because there's tremendous revival coming in this country. And all these empty seats are going to be full. We might have two or three services someday. And, you know, the core group of people are the ones that God is going to use to minister to all these other people. Amen? And so we need to get ready. Hallelujah. <clears throat> and in James it talks about, uh, so you don't have to be, it, it, this is just real, most assuredly, that means I want you to get this. I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also, and greater works than these, he will do because I go to the Father. They're not going to be greater things than Jesus did, but they're going to be greater in scope because there's so many of us around the world now. And for all operating in these gifts, you know, thousands of things, hundreds, millions of things could happen every day. Okay? We're his ambassadors scattered everywhere, light and dark places. And we're supposed to be carrying this. And, you know, you don't have to be a televangelist to do some of this stuff. You can be anybody. You can be little old Warren and do some of these things. You know what an evangelist is? He's the guy that you invite to come and speak who preaches a message that uh, you'd fire would be your pastor would be fired from preaching. That's who the evangelist is. <clears throat> that was supposed to be a joke. I said there wasn't going to be one. I guess I was right. Sometimes when someone is sick and they can't find a cure, sometimes, be careful, sometimes when someone is sick and they can't find a cure, it could be demonic oppression. And this might be more common than you think. I prayed for a woman in Texas quite a few years ago. 
I was in a church called Abundant Life Church in San Antonio, Texas. And the pastor wanted to have a healing service Sunday night. Okay. And the church had been praying for weeks since they knew that I was coming for this woman to come to church. All she did was stay in bed. She couldn't do her housework. She couldn't be a wife. She couldn't make meals. She couldn't do anything. And she had had, I don't remember exactly, it was over a dozen surgeries um, in the last 10 years. All of them looking for the reason for her illness. And they couldn't find anything. There were exploratory surgeries. Can you imagine having that many? I can't imagine. And so they were praying that this woman would come. And lo and behold, they prayed her in the church. She was there that night. And so when I got done, it's a healing service, so we preach on healing. So she's the first one they bring up. The pastor and her husband brings her up. And she wouldn't even look at me. She was looking down like this. And right there, that's a sign of the demonic when they won't look at you. Because them demons are afraid of you. I mean, afraid of Jesus in you. Anyway, um, once again, I wasn't sure what to do. So I said, let's just pray in the Spirit. It's a Spirit-filled church. So we started praying in the Spirit for a few minutes. Not even that long. And the, and the Lord says it's, they can't find anything, some because it's a demonic. I said, well, what do you want me to do? He says, cast out every spirit that's not of me. I says, okay. So I did. And she fell over then. And so I bent down to pray for her, put my hand on her forehead, and before I could even say anything, I could see her countenance changing from this kind of a thing to this kind of a thing. And that thing was gone. And we just prayed that God would fill all those spots in there with his spirit. Um, and she got up and she was hugging everybody and talking to everybody and, and everything. And I, I've been back to that church since then and she's still doing fine. I haven't been there now in a good while, but the last time I was there, she was still doing fine. Um, <clears throat> and then there was a woman in the Philippines um, ten, maybe eight or ten years ago. These are brand new Christians. They're fun to minister to because they don't have a bunch of messed up theology. They're just brand new. And that was the year they had the big flood over there and she was... I went, we went out to this little house. They wanted me to go out there and talk to these new Christians. So we went there, and there's water all around. This house was the only thing. This little bitty house was, I don't know how many people were in there. About 20 people came out. And I was praying for people. They, had, they have a lot of trouble with stomach issues because of bad water and stuff. And God was healing people for that. And this woman didn't have any trouble in that area. She... There was a stump there. Everybody was sitting on the stump because all muddy. And uh, she said she had arthritis all through her body. She said, every joint hurts in my body. 
And the Lord immediately said, she has unforgiveness. So you just have to listen to the Spirit. I don't know. You know she has an unforgiveness. So I told her, I said, something happened to you when you were younger and you know, you've never forgiven anybody about that? She says, yeah. I says, well, you go over here and talk to the Lord about it and forgive them from your heart and then come back and God will heal you. So she did. I prayed for a couple more people. She came back. I said, did you forgive her from your heart? She says, yes, I did. She says, it felt like a weight left it over me. I says, okay, and I'm bound the spirit of arthritis and cast out. I know that's a deliverance, but that's still a healing, amen? amen? I mean, she was, a lot of them have arthritis in their knees because they're working the rice fields in the water, you know, with their shorts on. But that was in her case. She had it everywhere, all her joints. And she was on that old, maybe 40 years old. And, uh, you just have to listen to the Spirit of God. And there's John 3.16. You know that God wants to save everybody. And um, we won't read that. Um, <clears throat> we need to possess the promises in our heart. You know, the promises aren't automatic. They're there for us. But uh, everything is done by faith in the kingdom. And so if you want a promise to be fulfilled in your life, to work in your life, you have to believe it in your heart. You have to possess it, so to speak. Hallelujah. And Exodus 15, 26. If we're going to get through this or not. Uh, <clears throat> Exodus 15, 26 says, the, the very last part of verse is, For I am the Lord who heals you. This was Old Testament, um, and we have a much better covenant. One of God's names is Jehovah Rapha, meaning the Lord who heals. It's always God's will to heal. His name and his word make that very clear. If it wasn't God's will, why would he make provision for healing through the tremendous sacrifice of Jesus Christ? Why would Jesus go through all that? Take those stripes. And then giving us gifts of healings by the Holy Spirit for the very purpose of delivering us from sickness and disease, destroying the works of the devil and human bodies. Remember this. The gifts and healings come upon a believer as the Spirit wills to minister to the sick in the power of the Spirit with a divine grace gift. These are all grace gifts. Hallelujah. Probably need about 10 more minutes. I know this is going a little long, but we got to get... Um, I got like eight things here. So what would this look like? Number one, when operating in a gift of healings, it's often tangible. Sometimes you can feel it. And an anointing. Not all the time, but sometimes. If you, if you can feel the Holy Spirit, um, you know, that should give you some confidence. And sometimes you don't feel anything, but the one that you're praying for feels something, like the guy in the wheelchair overseas. <clears throat> uh, 
Um, sometimes you'll have an assurance of great accomplishment. Like if you're building something at home or you're baking something for a special occasion, ladies, and it turns out just the way you wanted it to, you have this um, feeling of accomplishment. And sometimes you'll have that uh, when that gift is upon you and you're praying uh, for someone. Um, let me give you one quick illustration of a woman right here in Missouri. And we've been talking about people overseas. Um, this was in northern Missouri. She had what they call four-stage diabetes. Never heard of it. And she came up for prayer. She was, had trouble walking. Her husband had to bring her up there. And she just said, I, I need prayer for diabetes. Anyway, I prayed a prayer um, for diabetes. And I had that, and nothing changed. There was no visible change in the lady. He helped her back to her seat. But I had this feeling of accomplishment, like I just built something and it turned out just the way I wanted it in my spirit, just that sensing of accomplishment. And it turns out I was back in that area only three months later and a pastor invited me to come over and speak. And she's there. And she comes up and she's got open-toed shoes on. She says, look at my pretty feet. Some of you in our home group have heard this testimony. And I said, yeah, they're real nice. <laughs> and she says, well, you didn't know this, but I had type 4 diabetes. And what that means is from her ankles, bottom of her ankles, her feet were both black. And on Wednesday, she was going uh, to see the doctor for a consultation on amputation. She had no feeling in her feet. That's why her husband was walking with her. She couldn't tell when they hit the floor. And they were just jet black, she said. And so she went on Wednesday to see the doctor. And he's going to examine her, of course, and then he's going to talk about amputation. And when he examined her feet, he said, it looks like there's some progress here. He says, maybe we'd be better hold off on this amputation thing. Come back next week, let me look at him again. So anyway, that's how it started. And by the time I got there three months later, she was totally, it was all gone, totally gone. And did I have faith for that? I don't think I had so. I think it was the gift of healings in operation. And the only way I could recognize it was the sense of accomplishment that I had afterwards. Um, you know, you don't have that when you're praying in just your measure because you, sometimes you were beyond our measure, you know. And that's what these gifts are for when we get out there in la-la land. So anyway, that was a great test. It was right here in Missouri, up in Cahoka, Missouri, up near the Iowa border. Um, <clears throat> you want to pray the word into, into a person releasing faith and healing as an ambassador of the kingdom. Just pray it right into them, so to speak. Um, when ministering in the gifts of healing, it's important to do so in a spirit of love, faith, and expectancy. Love, faith, and expectancy. Your faith won't work without love any more than your car will run without gas. They have to be, the, your motivation has to be love. 
If you expect nothing, that's what you're going to receive. So you want to have an, expe an expecting heart and be operating in, in love. And mix your faith with the Word of God. You know, pray the Word into people. And you can mix your faith with the one praying. Sometimes people are just healed on your faith in a meeting where there's on a healing anointing flowing. Sometimes people are, are healed on their faith. Sometimes it's a combination. It doesn't seem to God that it makes a lot of difference as long as there's faith present. Okay? <clears throat> Remember, healing is a process. Um, this lady had no visible change up here in Missouri. Um, but it doesn't mean, but she was healed, even though there was no visible change. So don't go by what you see. Just keep believing. Just three days later, the doctor could see that there was a difference. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Keep, keep believing and thanking God. And one last thing. Um, I want to read Hebrews chapter 4, 2 to you. For indeed the gospel was preached to us as well as to them, but the word which they heard did not profit them. Why? Not being mixed with faith in those who heard it. So you have to mix the word with faith. And that's, so, um, that's important. And one last thing, uh, it helps if, the, if you can talk with the person in your interviewing time or whatever, just finding out what's going on, if they can visualize themselves whole, it really helps see themselves whole and better than, you know, healed from their uh, affirmity. Hallelujah. Amen. So that's the gift of healings, um, basically. And you want to just remember that God is the healer, devil is the oppressor. Amen? Amen. He's the one that, that's going around kicking people, and God is the one who's healing them. Hallelujah. So, Lord, we thank you. The worship team can come. We went a little long today, Lord, but we just thank you that um, you're wanting to use us in these giftings. Lord, and we pray that um, people would, were stirred up today by your spirit. Um, some of the testimonies, that you, things that you did all around different places and that you're still doing today are the same yesterday, today, and forever, Lord God. I would just pray that you would encourage everyone to um, be used in a gift. Lord, uh, most people you've given more than one gift to. And so... We don't want them just to lay dormant and be wasted. We want them to profit everyone. That's what they're meant for. And so we give you all glory and praise and honor for beginning to stir us up today um, to your glory. In Jesus' name, amen.